0: Welcome back, MJ Fan. We are here on day nine of the Black Jackson State, 12 Days of Christmas special podcast. Once in a lifetime, not once in a lifetime, we'll probably do it again next year. This is kind of fun. But we are enjoying ourselves. We are back for another day. We are inching closer and closer to Christmas Day. And we hope that everyone, if you haven't been feeling uh the jingle bells down in your soul, you're starting to feel it a little bit. We know that our resident Grinch, her heart is growing. Three times <laughs> too big, whatever it is it says in the book. But anyway, we're happy you guys are sticking around with us. We really love uh talking about Michael Jackson and we have enjoyed this journey through 12 days of Michael Jackson content. Uh, For the Michael Jackson fan community, user 1.5, how you doing today? Are you done? Uh, Last time, well, uh, before in another episode, you told us that you had been shopping. Are you done harassing people at the stores? Are you driving out there just to see if you can get a parking spot that's nice, even though you know you don't need to shop? What are you doing? You know, shopping is always... In order, so I I really resent, and I'm giving business to the stores in the pandemic. I just feel like this is a part of me spreading my Christmas cheer. That's me. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Well, um, you're still a grinch, and I guess that's cool. You you you've you've been consistent, user two.
1: How are you? Oh wow, one point five. Listen. I really appreciate you supporting the American economy. It's because of people like you that we're able to build back better. That's right. That's right. We're building back better. You're gonna hear better me say than ever. That a lot in 2022. Biden building okay.
0: back better. Joe Manchin Big said, but bees Joe, over here." Joe Manchin okay. said, "But you're not building back best." <laughs> It, hey, Joe Manchin, hey, Joe Manchin, come here real quick. Joe Manchin said we're going to build back broke. That's what he said. I slapped the <laughs> fuck
1: out of that boy. Oh, that's, a, that's a politically federal, violent on the podcast. Guys. Guys. I wouldn't hit Joe Manchin. She wouldn't um, hit that man. I would try to. Um, everything's good. I'm sipping on apple juice and Casamigos. Excited once again to come and advent our way through Michael Jackson info. Mm-hmm. This has been wow, a, a mind-blowing experience. Happy to be here once again, y'all. There you have it. All the users are present. All the
0: users are jolly. All the mu- users are merry and bright. And we're talking about something super fun today. I am really excited to hear how this content comes out and to get a lot everybody's thoughts on the idea. And if you hear that right there, y'all hear that. That's Soul Train. That's Soul Train. We're talking about Soul Train. We're talking about the Jacksons and the Jackson 5, their influence on this show, their appearances. I know the users are aware of this, but maybe some of our listeners are not. 2021 marked the 50th anniversary of Soul Train being, uh, since the creation of Soul Train. So Soul Train was created back in October, 1st appeared uh, on TV in October of 1971. So this was a really big um, milestone and marker for Soul Train. I want to get around Robin on the users. What's your first memory of Soul Train? Tell me what that looks like. You obviously, we are not the generation of the original Soul Train. We're in a different generation. But tell me what you remember first ever, the first time you ever saw Soul Train, what that was and what your reaction to it was.
1: I can't tell you the first time I saw it, but when Soul Train was still on TV, I don't think Soul Train went off till like late 90s, maybe like 97, 98, 99. Yeah, 2006. Oh, whoa. Uh Oh, that's way past Shamar Moore. So let me shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um, Soul Train went on for a while. And you when we were younger, you could catch the reruns of old episodes a lot easier. Now, of course, they're all on YouTube. But back in the day, you kind of just wait for them to kind of pop up on TV. Might come on BET. It might uh, go into a marathon on ABC, which I think was the channel that covered it. During most of our childhood, but what I remember the most about Soul Train was the scramble board.
0: It's time to see if you got any spelling skills at home. Little tribute for you, Soul Train scramble board. Let's know, you both them um, shift me with the Soul Train scramble board, right?
1: The <laughs> scramble board challenged
0: contestants to spell the names of legendary black icons.
1: There were political figures like Julian Bond and Phyllis Wheatley and Harriet Tubman.
0: I always thought that was fixed, though, because you could never find one episode where a couple didn't figure it out.
1: Actually, the board was fixed. Sort of.
0: It was impossible not to win on the scramble board, which is a little known fact, because we were into projecting positive images of black people. And so we couldn't have them stand there misspelling
1: Stevie Wonder's name. You learn so much about people on the on the scramble board. You could tell if they really gave them the answer before. You can also tell the people who they gave the answer to, and they still couldn't unscramble the letters. I love that because they're like they know the answer is Marvin Gaye, but <laughs> somehow the way they put the the letters up on the board were confusing as fuck. Um, those are some of the things I remember that Soul Train scramble board, and then uh, of course the the uh, the Soul Train line that. We reenact oh at every single girl, family reunion, every, train, every, really, like, really okay, every black function, when Love There's train. a soul train. <laughs> Hell, yeah! After that's, the funeral that's too. Correct.
0: Yeah, no, you, you, we pretty much can incorporate it into any event. So, user 1.5, what is your earliest memories of Soul Train, and what was your reaction to those early memories? What were you thinking at the time? So my earliest memories of Soul Train being on TV were the Shamar Moore era days for sure. Um, and I remember we didn't have cable um, and we spent our weekends at my grandmother's house. And so we would like try to sneak and watch it on TV because we weren't supposed to be watching the secular music. But Soul Train was on. So you would see like Boyz to Men or Johnny Gill or somebody and you just really excited. Definitely the soul train line is a staple as been as has been previously stated of every black function ever on the planet. And if you were lucky and you got to go down with somebody else and y'all got to do something really cool together, that was always that was always a highlight. Um I'm I'm pretty sure they showed a lot of the reruns. I want to say BET was the station for that, but just watching the the blackness on TV, even in the 90s and early 2000s when it was on and just seeing all these beautiful black people together, having a good time dancing and singing and enjoying music. It was just really refreshing. And it was something that even in the 90s, you didn't really see that often on television. So uh I, I just I love Soul Train. Who doesn't love Soul Train?
1: Yeah, Aretha, will go on Soul Train with no bra on and a see-through shirt. Titties, nipples, belly button. All of it. It sounds vulgar, but she did it and you can Google it. We're going to
0: let y'all do that. We're not going to link you to nothing if you want to see them tits. You're going to have to go Google it as user two said. I think Aretha I has agree- some big ass titties. Yeah, I don't think she believed in a bra in the 70s at all because she, she went really on a didn't. lot of things with her tits hanging. I'm just saying. I was going to say 1.5. She really didn't believe in bras at all. Sometimes they too big to be contained. Well, towards the that. end there, she needed one because them <laughs> things was running all over the place. was to be contained Touch my body. I'm not going to do my Aretha. Thank you. I'll say this. I think I agree with you guys. All those things you said are certainly memorable aspects. I think the most memorable is definitely the Soul Train line. Everybody has been down a Soul Train line. And I think one of the things I really remember growing up about Soul Train was Shamar Moore. I mean, he was just the teenage me was swooning. He was gorgeous. So it was like, yeah, you can watch Show Train for the music, but also there was Shamar Moore at that time. And so it was kind of a win win. You got to look at him and you also got to hear some of the best music currently out and see the dancers doing the dances that they're doing out after school or that the kids are doing at the school dance or doing folks are doing in the club. So it's all of that mixed in there. So Soul Train is just really, we say that to say, we can honestly say Soul Train is a part of multiple generations, young people, young Americans, young Black people of our upbringing and what we know about Black music, popular music being broadcast in a very uh, national way. 2021, as, a, as we've already said, has marked the 50th anniversary of Soul Train. Writer Todd Boyd said Soul Train was Black-style personified. It offered Blackness in its funkified essence. As the show's tagline suggested, it was the hippest trip in America, Soul Train showed a generation what it meant to be cool. And if you wanted to be hip, you watch Soul Train. Soul Train was created by Don Cortez Cornelius, who I don't know if you guys knew this. At one point, he was a former. He, he used to be a cop. He used to be a car salesman. He used to be an insurance salesman. He did all that <laughs> before he became a radio DJ. Um, it awesome. And so he, he, he was he was willing to do what he had to do. Soul Train aired from October 1971 until March of 2006, and that show brought the sounds and dances of Black America to a national audience. The Jackson Five and later the Jacksons appeared on Soul Train on five separate occasions between 1972 and 1979. The Jacksons' appearance on Soul Train is credited with helping the show become uh, a national hit and to actually have credibility um, in the market. In her book, Love, Peace, and Soul, Erica Blunt comments that though over the years, white acts helped to broaden Soul Train's appeal and gain the attention of record executives eager to expand their white artist's audience, it was still the black pop mainstream acts like the teenage sensation and musical phenomenon, the Jackson Five, that initially catapulted the train to stardom. So, Soul Train and the Jackson Five are you know undeniably forever linked um with soul train becoming um a show that was able to capitalize on the sounds of black america and the jackson 5 being the sound of black america helping to make that show what it became i don't know if you guys know some of this stuff so i'm just going to throw some fast facts at you so the early j5 shows that they did from uh for soul train most of them were shot in chicago because chicago was close to Gary Indiana. Joe Jackson and Don Cornelius were really good friends. And user two had some some you, you had some insight on that. Un- if if people haven't connected why that might be the case, go ahead and kind of fill in that gap. We've kind of already talked about it a little bit, but kind of give them some insight into that. And user two, use your Joe Jackson voice as much as possible.
1: <laughs> Don Cornelius was a Midwest man. He was a DJ in Chicago. And you could just take the boys on the VW straight to Chicago. And they might do a show with Don Cornelius. They might be on the radio. And then when Don Cornelius started Soul Train, we had just got on Motown. So it made sense to help Don out. The boys didn't have to plug in their instruments. The boys just had to show up and dance for me, and those boys dance for them he's a midwestern man that was lovely that That was was actually is actually disturbing she
0: channeled the the spirits did she
1: of Jojo. so Uh, my my eyes started (laughs) turning green so (laughs) look look at me hazel hazel eyes What, but
0: what I think what user two is saying, which is true. So you think about it. Don Cornelius, as a radio DJ, Joe Jackson had his kids all over Chicago playing gigs. He was making connections. Joe had all the connections um, in in his geographic area because he was pushing his kids success and getting them into as many venues and audiences as possible. So it makes Chicago was a big place where the Jackson five were playing in those early years. So Joe already had a lot of connects. And so it kind of worked out both ways. Um, It continued to allow the Jackson five to reach uh, the audience that they already were reaching. Um, But now on a show that was specifically targeted even to that audience and it elevated don Cornelius and what he was trying to achieve with the show soul train what i also found out that was really interesting was that soul train um in some markets aired right after the jackson five cartoon series so you watch on saturday or whenever that day was you would watch your jackson's five cartoon and then right after that soul train comes on that's a culturally relevant
1: block of television
0: Right. And I think it's also important to remember for our users to remember, this is the time when Black people having stuff on TV was almost non-existent. So little Black kids watching TV really kind of got more John Wayne than Michael Jackson as a general rule. So this was like. A cultural moment. Like I remember my mom talking about how we only had so many channels, but we knew when Soul Train came on, we knew when, you know, these were the shows that Black America was turning into because we did not have that representation on TV. And I think it's important to note, too, for the younger use uh, users or listeners that in the 60s, 70s, 80s, some sometimes 90s, A lot of times there was only one or two TVs in the house. And if there were a lot of people, I mean, you know, you had to decide what, you were going to watch and you watched it together as a family. So it was not only a community experience to see black people on TV, but it was also a communal experience with the people in your house because everybody was watching the same thing at the same time, sharing reactions, uh, sharing whatever they saw. And so, you know, I remember, you know, my mom saying like, you didn't want to go to school the next day and you, and, you know, you're the only one who didn't see X, Y, Z. 'Cause everybody no. saw it. Cause they everybody saw it. About it. You know, mm-hmm. Then you couldn't be in a conversation. You have been left out. Mm-hmm. You you were discarded. Wouldn't even need you. You can't why you coming to school today? What are you here to talk about?
1: You don't have nothing to talk about. And why don't you know how to do the robot? Do you even know what the robot is? Do you even know? So I think I don't I don't think there's any way we could underscore we could
0: never talk enough about how important soul train was to young black america and for these kids to see themselves on tv and to then see your favorite acts it wasn't just the jackson's jackson five they certainly were a starting group but you had james brown um appearing on soul train you had we've already said um aretha franklin and you've got um every every (laughs) like is there any major black act that did
1: not go on soul train absolutely not you had to go on Soul Train. It was a rite of passage. Some bands went on there too damn much. Stevie. Stevie Aria, went on a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the OJs went on there a oh, lot. The OJs was up there. Yeah. Um, In later years, Bad Boy, <laughs> all, the R- all the R&B groups, all the guy yeah. groups, all the girl groups, you gotta go through Soul Train. Destiny's Child went through Soul Train. Yes. The Fuji's went through Soul Train. Everybody had to go through. Now, as it got into the 90s and 2000s, um, the artists started to get a little sick of it because, again, you're lip syncing for folks who play instruments. It was a little frustrating. I remember I saw something or, or maybe it was a podcast where members of Tony, Tony, Tone were talking about how upset they were that they couldn't play on the stage and trying to find a way around actually being able to showcase their music and it really wasn't no way around it you when that backing track cues in i hope you know the lyrics so but you know it's interesting user too so um in love peace and soul
0: that book by Erica Blunt. She talks about that part that most artists, I mean, I know this wasn't, I saw this on a YouTube video from one of the Soul Train dancers who did a video. He said that most of the artists, including the Jacksons, lip synced their songs, right? We can clearly tell that. He said, but there were a handful who did not. I don't even look at the notes. I just want to try to guess. If you had to guess who are the artists that were like, nah, I got to sing this thing out. I got to sing it out. Give me your
1: best guess. Whitney Houston. Glad night. Gladys Knight nah I seen it I seen Gladys and the pips Ms. I seen Gladys. him lip sync I seen Miss Gladys <laughs> you know you <laughs> alright to... alright y'all give me one
0: more good guess think dig dig uh, dig I would dig, say dig, dig, dig. think about this thing now no let's I take her out I, cause I don't know that she did or didn't but I don't think she did
1: I have yes. seen Stevie Wonder perform live on Soul Train and it's one of my favorites so I can confirm that happened and I think Marvin Gaye did too
0: Ding ding on Marvin. Ding ding on Stevie. Okay, user <laughs> 1.5. What do you think? Now Miss Gladys. Uh okay. Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle the, uh, You looking at the notes though. You cheating. I, you cheating. Well, was it I'm looking the at the notes, but I'm not looking at those. You looking oh, at Oh, I'm the notes. sorry. Was it with LaBelle? I only picked Patty Pat- because Patty she was Patty- on the verses with Miss Gladys you it had to be cheating, one of the though. two of them Patty laBelle sang live Luther Vandross sang live that
1: makes sense
0: oh, I mean uh-huh. the vo- these these powerhouse voices was like listen my boys you cannot do me like this I have got mm-hmm. to sing this song out so but so singing but sing- lip syncing was also more cost efficient you got to think it takes more to do this thing and plug in than it does to just do go behind the track so even though there was that is like it wasn't a, uncommon thing the jacksons definitely did that when they went on the show they didn't do any shows where they sung their songs live but again not uncommon for the show um and it doesn't seem like the audience really was mad about it definitely not in the 70s when sometimes people didn't even know they were lip-syncing to the song so yeah that was really so when the song sounded exactly like the track they thought that they you're was. not supposed to be Maybe paying that close attention if you're dancing you're not paying that much attention you speaking of dancing did y'all know <laughs> So, you all know, the Soul Train dancers were kids. They were teenagers or whatever. They didn't pay them, but they did give them lunch. It was chicken box. I'm sorry. What now? That sounds right. We're was it from Roscoe? Chicken now. <laughs> <laughs> was it they from Roscoe? It's too many dancers. Oh, wait, it, it was passed. in Chicago.
1: So it was from somewhere in Chicago. A two-piece white.
0: That's what they got. But it was like a real thing. Like you had to audition. You had to audition with a partner. And you so it was male, female. You had an audition with a partner and either y'all got it or you didn't. And it was, it was because think about it. You, I didn't even realize that. But if you think about looking at that setup, especially in the 70s, everybody had a partner. Mm-hmm. So that's how they auditioned people in pairs. So you could have been the bomb. But if your partner was whack, both of y'all get axed. You got to come out with a better partner or get your partner up to speed. So, you know, that was kind of, self training was a real thing. It kind of moved into this area where it was a serious uh, show, and having the jacksons on was a big boost to this show's uh credibility and attraction to other artists be- uh, other other audiences because motown was certainly not just a black it was a black label that had that was looking for and seeking a broad appeal we're going to explore some of the jackson five appearances on soul train and the songs that they did so 1972 was the first time the Jackson 5 were on Soul Train. And in that set, it actually was called the Jackson 5 featuring Jermaine Jackson. That was the name of that episode. Jermaine And the reason it was that was because Jermaine, the Jermaine album also came out that year in 1972, but also came out was looking Through the Windows by the Jackson 5. So that first set, that first appearance by the Jackson 5 in 1972, they opened with, actually, I don't know if they opened with, I think they did open with Jermaine. So they did Jermaine's That's How Love Goes, which is from his 1972 album. They did I Want You Back which is a J5 song. They did Corner of the Sky, which is from the Skywriter album. They did Daddy's Home, which is again on the Jermaine album. And they did Looking Through the Windows. This is one where they did almost just as many Jermaine Jackson songs as they did Jackson 5 songs. Y'all talk to me about that. What does that say to you? And let me add this. Don Cornelius says on this episode of Soul Train that Jermaine is the next Marvin
1: Gaye. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was supposed to happen. And Marvin Gaye hated that. He also thought it was Ridiculous which in hindsight, agreed, double tap, retweet, favorite. But they were trying to put Jermaine into this heartthrob, soulful category because he had such a sultry, deeper in voice and he had cultivated it over time. I also think this might have been in the early seasons of Soul Train where they were trying to book enough blockbuster artists to secure another season once it actually got to like network TV. Like it was very much local chicago midwest television for a very long time and then at some point uh they were able to get syndication across the country so this might have been in those early days where soul train wasn't necessarily a household name just yet uh in the in america but they were trying to get it there and so i can see Motown setting this up as like a one time promotional package for Jermaine because that was what was relevant at that time. And then Soul Train kind of taking its wings, and you realizing, okay, this is a platform we'll be utilizing regularly. So it's an interesting way for them to end up on that platform for sure.
0: This was probably the one and only time in Jermaine's illustrious career that he had. Almost as many tracks. Why? As his why? Why are you being shamed? I'm not petty. being shaped. You know what? This I said petty. illustrious. No, you damn Patty. Listen, they had the big I, Jermaine letters I, I, in the bag you know that what? came down. But good for him. This was he Jermaine's was, budget. This oh, yeah, we know the, he can get he a budget. It. We know Listen, he can get a budget. He actually has a. good, This is my favorite. This is Jermaine has a good voice. Let me say that. Full stop. A good voice. If you've never heard, that's how love goes from Jermaine Jackson. I really encourage you to go listen to it. He does have this very sultry sort of voice. I get exactly why he has an album after who came first, Michael first, then Jermaine for solo efforts. I think that originally, obviously Motown wanted to create these little, these solo artists from the group. The, the they two said they wanted to do one Yeah, they wanted well, to but do the do them two them obvious first choices would be Michael and Jermaine because they're co-leads. So I think it's 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 a great way to pitch him. Clearly, it shows that Motown was behind him 100 percent that they gave him this spot on Soul Train where everybody in the black community was going to see him. And, you know, this was the this was his launching pad into into the stratosphere. He, and he hit it. He hit, Jermaine, he hit the stars. Jermaine had actually some really good songs on that album. You can tell that it was definitely something that he spent a lot of time trying to get good and, you know, trying to perfect his craft in it. So they did Jermaine songs. They did J5 songs. They did, of course, I Want You Back. They did Corner of the Sky. They did Daddy's Home. They did Looking Through the Windows. What do you guys think about this set of songs?
1: A good set to do or I think this was a good set. What do you think? great set wonderful gowns beautiful gowns (laughs) um i think i had posters from this particular performance on my wall from my ridiculous stash of stuff i found over the years but the 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 damn soul train photo shoots Of the Jacksons, the live shots from Soul Train always look phenomenal. They look Um, great. Their action shots are just really good because I think they had a great understanding. And Michael talks about this in Moonwalk about starting to understand the cultural relevance, relevancy of that show over time starting to understand the cultural relevancy of that show over time and knowing that, all right, we going on soul train. We got to be tight. We got to be crisp. I got to do something that's never been seen before because I want to hear people talking about it all next week. He was very conscious of that as a teenager and yeah. and how important that platform was. So you would kind of compare that to modern day. Uh, damn. Maybe you could compare it to verses for people who are, reminding folks of their incredible catalog but maybe you could could compare that to like performing at the mtv music awards or the billboard awards like you gotta nail it yeah so folks are talking about it the next day because it wasn't there was no social media you can't tweet about it later so everybody watches this on saturday this is where we are gonna stick it
0: right we gotta stick it you're right and i think i think all artists kind of understood that once you made it to soul train, so the Jacksons started out, they didn't have to make it to soul Train. They made soul train, right. And versus, okay, we made it. Now we're on soul train, but yeah, you got to come and do some things and we'll talk a little bit more in a little bit about the dancing in soul train and Michael's, uh, and inf- that how that influenced him because he actually incorporated folks that were dancing at soul train to come teach him. Right. And we know he did that moving on to our second appearance, by the Jackson 5, still the Jackson 5, on Soul Train, which was in 1973. This is where you get Michael doing, iconically, the mechanical man, the robot, on Soul Train. The set on that particular performance was Dancing Machine, a J-5 song, You're in Good Hands, by Jermaine Jackson from his second album for Motown called Come Into My Life, which was released in 1973. Get It Together, one of my favorite J5 songs, With the Child's Heart, Michael Jackson, and don't say, don't say goodbye again by the Jackson 5. Now, I wanna, I want, I want the users to explore this idea. This is what Motown was trying to do: Jermaine Solo, Michael Solo. And then the J5 still. This is the only set, I think, where we've incorporated two solo albums and then the J5 set. You guys give me some of your feedback, what you're thinking about that. But that's just one year later. We're into this new zone. What do you guys think?
1: They knew they had to use it to launch the albums. You want good sales, whether the sales had already taken a dip or if it was first week and you're trying to get a strong start, you got to make sure you're layering those performances on Soul Train. Everybody didn't get more than one performance on Soul Train. If the Jacksons, any of them are on there, they're probably going to get two songs. Everybody ain't that lucky. So you got to have a little mini set. And Don Cornelius, if he loved you and the audience loved you, then y'all can run it up for the whole, uh, how long was Soul Train? 30 minutes or an hour? 60 Minutes of Sam. Uh That was a
0: good fucking time. You better get your workout in. You get your workout in the 60 Minutes.
1: The good artists, the the A-list artists could get two songs, but it would still be other artists on that episode. So if you, unless it was like a special occasion. Like, even if Stevie's on there, it's probably some other artists filling in that hour. But you got to come strong because whoever they end up layering you with on that episode, you don't want them out outdo you. So it's it's almost like the Apollo, except you going out Seriously? there blind because you oh, can't yeah. see. Yeah, because you ain't the only ones going to air on this episode. And they I don't think record the, everything the, at the Jacksons same time. might
0: have been one of the few acts that they did the 60
1: minutes. Yeah, they definitely did they that's did the how they ended of, up with all them damn sets.
0: That's how they had all them sets. Right. So use a 1.5. What do you think? What do you think about this second, this second appearance on Soul Train in 73, where we have a mix of solo album, um songs from michael and jermaine as well as the jackson five do you think this is the signaling of a change of the guard and how things are going with the jackson fives as, as a group and the emergence of the solo artists well, I don't, I don't know if it's a changing of the guard. I think in 1972, that was when Motown was like, these are our guys. This, these are the guys. Like we're going to put a belt on them and we're going to let them have a championship run and see how far they go. Like, so I don't know if a year later, this was anything surprising. Uh, I, I, I definitely, this is the iconic soul train performance because Michael did. For Dancing Machine, he did The Robot for the first time on TV. And if you listen to people's reactions that watched it as it was happening, you know, they're just like, oh, my God, it was like he was really a machine. You know, it was something that people hadn't seen mainstream before. Maybe you saw an underground club or something, but you really hadn't seen it on TV or seen an artist do it. So I think this honestly was when Michael Jackson kind of solidified himself as a phenomenal dancer and an innovative dancer. And I think from here, people were always going to look to Michael to do something different as far as the dance piece. Uh, and we have to remember the brothers didn't really dance. You know, Jermaine was behind the guitar. Tito was behind the guitar. Jackie and Marlon did background dancing, but Michael would would pop out of that background and do his he own thing smooth, and then pop back He would smooth move out of that line to the front. Okay, oh, so, so now you're talking about dance machine, which we have to talk about in this. People were comparing Michael doing the robot in that moment or what was called the mechanical man, that dance. They were comparing that to when he did the moonwalk. So that that can tell you how big that moment was. It wasn't that it was new. It was just the way he did it. And Michael brought Soul Train dancers from Soul Train to his house they would. They, they. I mean, they became friends with the Jacksons, with the Jackson family, with Michael, with all of them. They would teach them these dance moves. They would learn from them. And Michael was so prolific in his in his gift that he would take it and elevate it. Right, but he was taking these moves. He's right. He says it in his book. These moves come from these kids, who these other kids, you know, in the in the in in the in the inner cities. At this point, Michael's not an inner city kid no more. <laughs> he's living in the hills, baby. But he's still keeping his ear low to the streets like we all must do if we're gonna stay alive
1: <laughs> so yeah, this I, is that iconic moment yeah you used to I, what i was gonna say is that um i think it was well known that the dancing machine dance machine single wasn't really performing that well and michael doing this made it skyrocket and that's how they were able to get it to chart as high as it did um and yeah, I think that is a testament to utilizing that platform. But this this show aired in 1973. Michael was 15. He was a fucking kid himself. Talking about he brought other kids over to his house so that the children <laughs> of the world can teach him <laughs> and shit. Nigga, no, that you was you the children the of the world.
0: You are the kids. And I think I said that when he did Billion, yeah, when he did the moonwalk, they were really comparing this. This moment was seen as similar to when he did the moonwalk um, at Motown 25. Yeah, Michael was... It, at one point, Don Colonia says he's a living legend. He was 16 years old when he said that on social. And he said Michael Jackson was a living legend. Michael was 16 years old. So that goes to what user two is saying. He's a He's so ahead of... His time, even his his age, his physical age, he is miles ahead from how long he's already been out there and performing. And it was really cool to see Don Cornelius even kind of say that jokingly. No, he didn't. He wasn't joking. He was serious. He said he's a living legend and he was 16 years old at the time. So um, Michael was already big. I know for some fans, Michael becomes big to them at Thriller. He was already that guy by 1975 you know and so that's something to remember and that comes from him coming and the jackson five coming out of motown coming out of black america he was already lionized in our community for his talent and how great he was right and and dance machine was on the get it together album right that was the album that dancing machine was on i thought the album was dancing machine yeah was it uh-huh but I just said all that to say, like user two said, the album as a whole wasn't doing well. And so just that one moment, and I'm sure if you missed it, you were knocking your head upside the wall and crying the next day when everybody was talking about Michael doing the the robot on Soul Train.
1: The Dancing Machine album cover is so ugly. My God! Or was Lord. it Moving Violet? No, is is it the name of? No. It was- it's not no. moving violation there were so it's many dance machine. there were so
0: many mediocre albums in there it's hard to remember what <laughs> they so were back to back to back
1: Motown was just like can't them out fast enough right this Motown one didn't was hit. like something ah. gotta stick yep give me another 10 Michael's not doing anything get his ass in the studio something's another... gotta stick another three days
0: yeah they had some good songs on that album though you've got whatever you got I want I like that one mm. dance machine whatever obviously. you want I give to you yes. if I don't love you this way that's alright uh, it's okay that's okay. Overall, it's a it's a it's is a it's a thumbs down for me, but it's got some like hot spots. But yeah, dancing machine and dance machine revived, like like user two was saying, revitalized this whole group. So again, on Soul Train, iconic moment leads to a boom, even in their career at that point. Moving on to the third appearance of the Jackson Five on Soul Train, October of 1974, we get a whole new set. They're back. They're wearing Pepto Bismol pink suits absolutely horrendous but that was the style folks and if your parents or your grandparents or somebody was around in the 70s or you were a kid of the 70s you was wearing some some questionable fits as well but it was it was still clean everything looked nice clean that one they did whatever you got I want that's a Michael uh whatever you got I want they did and Michael did that by himself if I don't love you this way Michael also did by himself what you don't know michael did by himself i'm just did the jacksons even uh, do anything on this one they showed up in them fit they had to have but anyway this was their fourth appearance um this one this one feels kind of like you know just perfunctory like okay we do soul train let's do soul train This feels like a low, we're we're hitting that low place in their career they're about to do, or they're gearing up to do these Vegas shows and to be a Vegas act. And Michael talks about this on the show. He talks about doing Vegas shows. And have you guys seen the interview pieces on Soul Train with Michael after the first appearance? To me, he seems really disinterested from what's happening
1: around him. Did anyone else kind of get that that vibe? They would try to tee up Randy in most of these network TV scenarios. Michael was over it. He just wanted to dance and go home.
0: Yeah. And he also just seemed awkward, like just regular conversation with Don Cornelius seemed very, very awkward. And I thought that was weird considering this is not a stranger to him, but he just seemed really awkward and almost like painfully awkward and shy and disinterested in those spoken parts where he did the interviews in between sets or in between songs. I was just wondering if you guys kind of picked up on that in some of these videos. I agree with user two. Uh, I think Michael was just over it at this point. And he had to remember. So this is the third appearance. Uh, with these Pepto-pink suits. But, you know, if you go appearances one through four, you're talking about 1973, 1974, 1975. I'm sorry, 1972, 1973, 1974, 1975. So four years in a row, they are headlining Soul Train. And then there's like a, four-year lull when they come back for their last appearance on Soul Train. And that's really when you get the Jacksons. So between appearances four and five, you have uh, Randy Nodermane, right, which is different. And then between And then on appearance five, you have the Jacksons back together uh, doing like shake your body down to the ground and the things I do for you. So I I think he was just over it. I I think at this point he didn't like the way he looked. Uh, He was really self-conscious for whatever reasons. And he just that body dysmorphia started kicking in. He probably didn't want to talk to anybody because he thought they were looking at him strange for whatever flaws he perceived to have. The fourth appearance by the Jacksons on Soul Train was in 1975. And this is the first one where Randy actually joins his brothers. And there is no Jermaine. And that, that meets the timeline of what was happening um, with the group professionally and what was happening internally with some family, some family, some family issues. But that fourth appearance, they did just a little bit of you. Michael did that when they did Forever Came Today. A J5 song. That's a good one, too. One Day in Your Life. Michael did that. All I Do is Think of You. That's another one that's big in the fan community that people kind of rip from Soul Train, that performance. And We've Got Forever, uh, which Michael did. So again, we start to really see Michael, of course, standing out and taking on a taking on really the weight of these performances where he's doing a lot of solo stuff. The brothers aren't even on stage. He's doing it by himself. So he's really starting to carry the band in a way by this fourth appearance that it was more integrated and collaborative in the first couple of shows. But now Michael really is the star in a way that has evolved over time and at one point Don Cornelius asked Michael a couple of questions about his life and Michael says that he likes to read he enjoys science fiction and he enjoys feeding his birds in the morning Um, he says he enjoys feeding the peacock the pheasants the parrots and the pigeons I don't know if all those peas was on purpose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michael just literally had uh, an encyclopedia's worth of animals on the property at Havenhurst, but I, I, um, I think Questlove referenced this interview on his podcast and talked about how important it is to give an artist the space to dream. So Questlove referenced this Soul Train interview. And Michael talking about his animals and the time that he spends daydreaming and how that answer is unconventional to a lot of the interviews that Don Cornelius gave artists. Michael's response was unconventional, I should say. Um, but it points out how in ta- how tapped in Michael was with himself and being comfortable with daydreaming and opening his imagination and just kind of being a free thinking teenager. He, he seemed very much like a lonely introverted uh, little dude who like cultivated his special little world at home where it was safe and he wasn't being uh, scratched and clawed at, by fans and nobody's asking him to be a you know a performing a performing uh superstar either. So um he c- cultivated that environment where he felt safe to let his mind wander and think outside the box. And it's a wild response to hear on Soul Train on Saturday morning, but also it's very Michael Jackson and it's very artists pro artists like yeah you you should sit and feed your pheasants if you got pheasants that's that sounds like something i wouldn't get a pheasant now i do want llamas i'm not going cap i would feed my llamas and just think about fire ass songs to write and that's how you get billy jean so i'm with it i'm with it mike
0: All right. And we are moving on to the last time that the Jacksons at this point, they are the Jacksons, right? Appear on Soul Train. It is 1979 and they do a couple of songs from this is their from their from their independence, Um, their independence. They're no longer on Sony. They are they're doing this is the first time they did songs that they wrote. This is the very first time you get this from the Jackson. So they started off with songs that were cultivated from Motown, the corporation, those guys over there. And by the last time they appear on Soul Train, which they took a four-year hiatus, they're doing their their own work. And I imagine that meant the most to them. They did the things I do for you, shake your body and push me away. And in that set, Michael talks about filming the Wiz. He also talks about how when he was preparing for the Wiz, it's like, you know how like you're trying to learn something new. Like, let's say you said, I want to learn how to play basketball. You might have to go around the corner and get your cousin, your uncle and them, somebody in the neighborhood to maybe teach you. Well, Michael said, I want to learn how to act. And he tapped into diana ross sydney portier and ryan o'neill ryan o'neill like he tapped into the some some a-list stars he said he tapped into to get his acting skills up um don Cornelius famously asked michael about the song push me away and what it's about and michael says it's about a guy that dreams about what he wants to happen in reality but it's only a dream which is sad and um what do you guys think about that response in connection with the song? Do you think Michael was really talking about, do you think that the song for Michael in some ways was autobiographical?
1: You talking about pushing just, me away? Oh, absolutely. What
0: were you going to say? 1.5? I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to address that. He put Diana Ross next to Sidney Poitier, which is disrespectful, but okay. I think he had Not to say to her him. name. I think he had to say her name. Cause you know, she was that boo thing, So he had to make sure he threw her name out there. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say uh, at this point, anything that Michael's writing is autobiographical or semi autobiographical because he has now been encompassed in fame since he was five. So more than half of his life, he probably does feel like he wants something i mean we all know the stories of him going out and you know just walking in the neighborhood looking for a friend
1: i think he was he was writing about his life we just didn't know it at the time i find it interesting that michael says oh i'm so introverted and it's very virgo right this was a really sad depressing time for me And then comes and goes on Soul Train and does this power ballad, Push Me Away, by himself. You not even singing the song. So Michael is literally up there, Charlie Chaplin in it, miming out the words to this slow-ass song. You go on Soul Train to dance. You go on Soul Train to pretend to play instruments. This nigga said, Let me slow down the tempo. What's the tempo push me away? 82, 75. And he out there with a vest on. (laughs) Really emoting. If you haven't seen it, just go on YouTube and give it a gander. It's such a good song. It's probably one of my favorite songs on um, Mm -hmm. Triumph.
0: such a good song. What's crazy? I think I so I do think that's funny. He gives the acting inside of that lip sync on stage is like ten out of ten. He definitely is it. bending
1: his knees and just drama. It's definitely ass hands, out of 10. big ass hands. hands. <laughs> Michael, Michael was a trip. So listen, you can. Michael had the tendency to kind of frame this era of his life very negatively but the shit that he was producing was just really quality and the fact that he had the guts to say you know what i'm gonna let these people dance all around me nobody's giving a fuck about what i'm doing because i'm not singing or dancing what a vibe what
0: a vibe And that was the last time the Jacksons were on Soul Train. Soul Train went on for many more decades after. And as we said, went on into the 2000s before it stopped uh, producing new episodes in 2006. But Soul Train remains to this day a staple, an iconic moment in Black history of which the Jackson 5, the Jacksons, Michael Jackson, have had an integral part. And we hope you've really enjoyed us kind of taking a trip down memory lane. If you haven't seen those Soul Train videos, check them out. They're all over YouTube, and we promise you will not be disappointed. Guys, we thank you once again for joining us on the Black Jackson Estate Presents the 12 Days of Christmas. We hope you are merry, jolly, all things are bright, and we're wishing you a very happy holiday season from the Black Jackson Estate.
1: Please donate, support our podcast. Get yourself a shout out on the next episode. www.paypal.me forward slash blackjackestate cash app dollar sign BLK Jack Estate. It's the holidays. Won't you give?